You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. I preach here a lot. I don't need an introduction like I'm a guest speaker. Well, it's been three weeks. (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) Guest speakers get offerings, you know. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Never mind. Oh, glory to God. I'm so full things I want to share with you today, but I am compelled to talk to you about the great exchange. What this thing of righteousness being made righteous by faith, by the grace of God through faith, what it means is that God helped us in making us an exchange. I don't know if you've ever made an exchange and got the raw end of the deal. I have. You know, we used to play that pocket knife thing, you know, reach in the pocket, just drop, drop your pocket knife in the other guy's hand, he drop his in yours. Well, I've gotten ripped off like that before. Because <laughs> I see a guy playing with his pocket knife, you know, cleaning his fingernails or something, I think, man, I'm going to do the drop with him. But I didn't know he had two knives. <laughs> when we did the drop, he, he, he dropped the cheap one. So now I carry two knives. <laughs> three if I can get them. (laughs) How often you get ripped off is like the blonde said, I was worried. No no offense, Angela. Angela got new blonde hair. Look at there. Hi, yellow. There you go. I I, I could just say Parrish said. I was worried that my mechanic might rip me off. Imagine my relief when he told me that I, all I needed was turn signal fluid. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, turn signals don't need fluid. You, you, they're electric. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got it now. Okay. Oh, I get it. Heard about one guy who said he, his mechanic said, I couldn't fix your brakes, so I made your horn louder. <laughs> Let me read you about this exchange. A bride-to-be called to make a change to her wedding registry. It is common, almost expected, they say, that a bride will change something on her registry at least once, like the dish pattern, the color of towels, things like that. The customer service representative told her, J.C. Penney would be happy to make the change. She asked uh, if the bride wanted to change the dishes or the linens or such. The bride said, no, keep all that. She just wanted to change the name of the groom. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I today have something to share with you about exchanges and about one great exchange that God made that impacted us in eight primary ways. There are actually eight separate exchanges all in this one exchange, Christ for man. 
And the first one is found in Romans chapter 5, verses 8, 9, and 10. Let's read them together. Romans 5. I sent the email today, Mr. Israel. I don't know if you got it. Look at you. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Notice what verse 10 says. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. When were you reconciled to God? After you got saved? After you said yes to Jesus? Or while you were still His enemy? The Bible says it happened while you were still His enemy. Before you cared. It didn't, does not mean that you had applied the reconciliation, but as far as God was concerned, the grace had been dispensed and He reconciled the whole world to Himself in Christ Jesus. That's powerful. That's called grace. He'll take anybody. He'll just take anybody. He'll take you. If you haven't come to Christ yet, He'll take you just like you are. But you must receive it by faith. That's what the Bible means when it says you're saved by grace through faith. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, everybody shout out, much more, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. There's a guarantee that when you have been reconciled and you've received this reconciliation, you have a guarantee of being saved because He's alive. The only way a Christian can ever be lost is if Jesus stops living. That's what that says. Well, you, you, if you don't quit that smoking, you're going to die and go to hell. That's just nonsense. That's just nonsense. That's just ignorance gone to seed. That's all that is. It's ignorance gone to seed. Read the Bible. The Bible says we shall be saved by His life. I'm not saved because, because I perform all that well. And I do perform well. I do perform well, praise God. I live, I live this thing. But I don't live it so I can be saved. I live it because I want to. Amen. Amen. But I'm saved because He's alive. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because it's all about Jesus. Yeah. When did Christianity stop being all about what Jesus did? Amen. The great exchange. Mean, that first one means you got, you got life for death. He changed. We exchanged our death for life. Death. For life. I don't know about you, but that's a good exchange. I feel like I cheated the Lord. I gave him my death, he gave me his life. What a deal. I remember lying on my bed at night when the lights were off and music shut off and friends were gone. Lying on my bed at night feeling so empty. Can I say something to you? If you ever come across someone, and there are people out there who claim to be atheistic or agnostic, when you talk to them, talk to them about that. I've won a few atheists to Jesus in one conversation. I've won a few of them to Jesus. One reason is because I'm much smarter than any atheist there is. <laughs> You just have to be an idiot to be an atheist if you ask me. I don't care how many letters you have after your name. Faith in Jesus just makes you smart all of a sudden. But 
talk to them from a heart level. You're going to find out why they act that way, why they say the things they say. It's not, they have not intellectually thought this out. You can't intellectually think God out of anything. They, they will use their thoughts around a feeling they have, around some anxiety they have, around some hurt or anger that they have. And I talked to an atheist and I said, listen, let me just stop you for a minute. You're, you're acting like you know there is no God. Well, I know there is a God, and I know Him personally. And I said, when the lights are shut off, the music's turned off, your friends are gone, and it's just you lying on your bed in the darkness, you feel empty. You know what she said? She pulled her clothes together. She said, how do you know that? How do I know that? Yeah, how do you know that about me? I said, I know that about you because I am you. You're empty because you're dead in your trespasses and sins. You're cut off from God. You're away from God. And when you're away from God, you are dead. I experienced it. This ought to tell you it's the truth. Five minutes later, she gave her heart to Jesus. That's Jesus coming in her heart. Five minutes later. Got to the point. The point was, she didn't know what to do about that emptiness. And everyone has experienced it. You've experienced it. If you think back what it was like when you went to bed at night and knew it was just you in the darkness, you thought, hmm, man, there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be more. What am I living for? Just to poke food in my mouth and exist? What am I living for? It comes down to this, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about how much money you have or don't have. It's not about how many women or men you can, you can cram into your life. It's not about that. It's about how you can help other people. And when you know you have the answer to help them for eternity, your life will never be the same. He gave us an exchange from death to life. That's why they chase all that stuff out there. That's why they chase all that stuff. That's why they do what they do. That's why they act the way they do. That's, that's why they say the things they say. Why they're crazy. Seem like they're just crazy sometimes. I watch the news sometimes and think, these people are crazy. They're just crazy. Why do they act that way? I can hardly even watch television anymore because of the lunacy that's on television. I'm not, I'm not preaching against it. I'm just saying just, they're just lunatics. They put the craziest people on there. And I think, why do they act this way? You know why they act this way? Because they're dead on the inside. And they're trying everything they can to fill it up. Got to get it filled up. I got, I got Nothing makes them feel good. Oh, it scratches an inch for a little while, but then it's back to the same old thing. I want to tell you something. With Christ in your life, you know this to be true. If you focus on that Christ inward life, all that emptiness goes away. You lie on your bed in the middle of the night, you go, how did I get here? How did I get here with this kind of peace? How did I get here unafraid of death? Why? Because you got an exchange. You got a supernatural Holy Ghost exchange. Death for life. Life came, death left. Glory to God. Amen. Not just you got you, you 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 didn't just get any life. You got the life that won't die. Everlasting life. Then the next thing is found in Found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice this. 
the great exchange number two is sin for righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For He hath made Him to be sin for us. Have you found it? 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He made Him to be sin that we might be made righteousness. Now that's a great exchange. When, you're, when you've been made righteous, that means that you've been made able to hit the mark. And in the Spirit, you always hit the mark. I've been teaching on Wednesday nights here about out of the book of Hebrews, and one of the things that, that seemed to stand out to me was Hebrews 4.12. Can we put that up, Israel, Hebrews 4.12? Oh, look at this, the great exchange. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Is this the Torah's R Us version of the Bible? Piercing even into the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. So spirit, soul, joints and marrow has a reference to the flesh or to your body. And is a discerner of the thoughts. <laughs> uh, he's a smart other kidney. The thoughts and intents of the mind. No, it didn't say mind, did it? It didn't say that God's judging every thought you have. It did it? He said, he's judging the thoughts of your what? Yes. Of your heart. Yeah. Of your, that is good news right there. That's good news. Because Casey, I don't know about you, but my mind has some thoughts now. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. I, I'm full of the Bible, and I, I, I understand it. It's, 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 I, I'm a specialist in Pauline literature. That, and I know, I know what the Bible says, but my mind still has some thoughts. Come on, am I in the right house? Killing thoughts, bad thoughts, rush into the brain, rush into your mind. That's not who you really are when you're born again, though. That's just stuff that the devil's working on you with. Temptations. The devil works on you with that stuff. And God knows that. And he's not judging you on the basis of every thought that comes into your head. He's looking at your heart. Who are you really? What are you really like? Who are you really? Amen. You see this? That's because he made an exchange. Your righteousness may not have reached your head yet, but it has reached your heart. He exchanged that sinful condition. Sin was not just a package of sins that you had committed. Sin was a condition you were born with. You understand this? And that's why you had to be born all over again. It's not about performance. It's about who you are. It's about your position, what kind of being you are. And on the inside, all of us are born in sin. That's why you had to be born again. It's not a matter of just going to church, saying, I agree with the preacher, or shaking the preacher's hand, or getting your name on a roll. None of that makes any difference when it comes to receiving righteousness. Faith in the heart, believing from the heart that Christ really did what He said He did. That the Bible is true and that the Word of God will work for you. That Christ died for your sins. That means you put your trust in that. I believe that when Jesus was dying, he was dying for holler sins, praise God. I believe when Jesus was dying, he was dying for stones sins, praise God. When Jesus was dying, he was dying, well, Whitney didn't have all that many, but Israel's sins, praise God, he was, he was dying for. Amen. 
When Jesus died, He died for everything that ever went wrong. Sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now that doesn't just mean that He's made you righteous. That means he, won't, he will not tolerate any other definition of what righteousness is other than you. Because it didn't say he just made us righteous. It said he made that we might be made the righteousness of God. In heaven, if they pull out the dictionary, if they pull out the dictionary to get a definition of what righteousness is, it defines you. It's got your picture there. Glory to God. Not some cloudy, gold-plated standard. No. The people of God are the righteousness of God. Woo-hoo. I don't know what that does to you, but that makes me feel good all under. Praise God. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, all right. Our third exchange. Everybody say the third great exchange. Here it is, poor for rich. We exchange our poverty for his wealth. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be, might be rich. I'm not going to try to spiritualize that. I'm going to tell you what it actually says. Abundance in money, abundance in wealth, abundance in material things. That's what the word rich means. You can try to get all religious about it and try to say it doesn't mean that, but it's exactly what it means in the Bible. Yeah. Amen. My spirit's born again. He don't need to enrich it. <laughs> I look just like Jesus. How are you going to enrich me? You understand? I look just like Jesus. You're not going to enrich my spirit. Huh? I got other riches, though. Here, here he's talking about that we can be rich other ways. And here's the problem. Let me say, you got to... You gotta, you gotta, Tolerate this teaching for just a minute or two, can I? I don't, I, don't, I don't talk about money a lot. But I can't help it when I find passages that do. Amen. I was called to teach about the Bible, teach the Bible to you. And the problem, you hear, you hear a lot of preaching going on in, in, in the country. If you turn on the television, you know, you get Christian television, you hear the preachers preaching and decrying the morals of America. And let me say to you, the morals of America are not all that great. But you hear a lot of preaching, and I hear a lot, not just on television, but where I work. I hear a lot of preaching about all kinds of things, and they preach about sex more than anything else. Yeah. And how wrong it is. They, they make you feel like it's wrong if you do it when you're married. <laughs> I mean, it's so, it's got this, this guilt and sin consciousness is, is on, on, on all of them, it seems like to me. Second thing they talk about all the time is drugs. Drugs are running America. The third thing they talk about is Democrats. <laughs> the fourth thing they talk about is uh, lying and cheating and stealing and all that kind of stuff. They say, these things are bringing America down, they say. I say, you don't know history. You don't know history. I actually heard one, one of the smartest guys I know say the sexual morals of America are going to bring it down. Just like, it did, just like it did Rome. I said, hold it, stop right there. So, pardon me, brother. I didn't interrupt his speech. Later on, I talked to him. I said, was Rome sexually pure when it rose to power? Uh, was it? Stop saying that, you idiot. That's not true. Was Greece sexually pure when it rose to power? Really? 
Mm, sorry, no. Was Israel sexually pure? David with seven wives, Solomon with a thousand? Was it sexually pure when it rose to power? No! Great Britain? No! Y'all know the story of Henry VIII? It was over sex that he pulled away from the, from the uh, Catholic Church, named himself the head of the church because he was sexually impure. That's why he did it. That's why he did it. And Great Britain became the kingdom upon which the sun never sets. I'm not saying, hey boy, how you doing? What do you got there? Thank you very much. You mean put that in the offering? Yeah? All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I'm a pawpaw. I can't help it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not saying we should participate in these things to rise to power. I'm saying they might have been, they might have been much more awesome if they hadn't been so sexually immoral. But the truth is, every nation bites the dust over one thing, and the Bible tells us what it is. The love of money. And a society that is in love with its money votes in people who will give them money back from D.C. A society that is in love with money belly aches about any time the preacher mentions money. Thank you for your enthusiasm. A society that is in love with money won't tithe, won't give, won't do anything and complain every time the preacher mentions it. That's a society that's in love with money and that's a society that is going to bite the dust. The reason Rome went down, because Nero spent more money than they had. And set them on a course of inflation that they just couldn't turn around. Nero and others, but he was the worst. Every society is like that. It's what's happening to America. <laughs> hey, don't tell me that our forefathers were all that sexually pure. You read anything about Jefferson? You read anything about Thomas Jefferson? Great man. No, all kinds of bad things. That's not what drives a, a, a nation down. It's not what drives a church down. We're here to get all that right, of course, but we've got to get our money straight. Jesus was made poor that we might be made rich. It is the will of God for you to stop loving money and have more than enough money. As long as you love money, you'll never think you have more than enough. You understand? The wealthiest of the wealthy give a small percentage compared to what you all give. Because they love it, they get it, they love it, but they never seem like, never think, they never feel like they have enough. It's the will of God to get that money into your hands, to get prosperity into your hands, so you can change the world. Because God knows if it's in your hands, you're going to do the right thing with it. I'm certainly and completely convinced that God would rather have that Mercedes Benz sitting at church on Sunday morning than at the bar on Saturday night. He became poor that you might be rich. Poverty is a curse from the devil. You ought to be walking around with your pockets full of money. But how you do it is a different way than they do it out there in the world. God wants you to prosper by doing it His way. Seed time and harvest, giving and receiving, sowing and reaping. That's exactly how He said do it. He put that in the earth so that you could have abundance. It's not the will of God for anybody to live in poverty. Segments of our society live in poverty. 
and our government is, oh, the state of Texas, uh, I'm still mad at them. I'm still angry with them. Maybe that's partly why I so readily moved away. <laughs> Passed the lottery down there years ago. And I'm telling you, I have never stood behind anybody who went out and gotten a $100,000 automobile wearing a $3,000 Armani suit as he's buying lottery tickets. I've never stood behind anybody. And I've stood behind a lot of people buying lottery tickets in the convenience store. And every time I, did, I have, though, it's always somebody who's, who drove up a tin can as a car, scruffy little kids, cashing their paycheck and using what's left of the paycheck to buy lottery tickets. And let me say to you, I'm not picking on them. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. That's their one chance. They think, man, if I could just hit big. I don't blame them. They can't help it. If I knew where this is going, and I see where this is going, let me just pick on Texas for a minute. It's a great state. It's a great state. If you're born in Texas, I, don't mean, I mean you no harm. My daddy was born there. What bothers me the most about it is these geniuses who set that lottery up had to know what I see with my eyes and what you've seen yourself. I see you all nodding your head. That this is just another ingenious way of extracting yet more taxes from the poorest citizens of the state. The poorest citizens of the state are taking the hit. It's just another taxation. Oh, it's an entertaining way to, uh, to tax them, of course. And they have a right not to buy the lottery ticket. But it's just an entertaining way. They knew they'd get it, be getting in the poorest people's pockets because they could not stand not to buy that lottery ticket and have the one chance, and have the one chance. It's an injustice. And what causes that? The love of money. That's why in a righteousness talk, I have to talk to you about money. I want to get everybody on God's system. Here's how the Lord said it. It's the one thing in which he allowed you to test him and prove him. He said, try me now and see if I will not. Open to you the windows of heaven. You get over on God's system, first fruits, giving. Get over on God's system. It's amazing. He will do things for you you could not do for yourself. Miss Ann and I have been doing this for years. We went through some of the toughest times ever, but it never came to our thoughts that we might, a few years back, it never, it never crossed our mind that we might not tithe and give offering. We just kept right on doing what we were doing. Just kept right on giving and gave our way through it. You can give your way to prosperity. Now you can be silly and give everything away and not have anything. You can. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about going too far. I'm just talking about doing it the biblical way with tithes and offerings and getting on God's way of doing business. Now, I'm not preaching for a raise here. I'm not preaching for more money in the church. Our church here does really well. It's a prosperous church. We've got some really faithful people who give. But what I'm saying to you is, it's the will of God for you to prosper. Jesus died so that you could be wealthy. Get rid of all that is a curse. And don't forget, Adam had the whole garden. It was all his. Everything in it he could have, except One thing. And they weren't even hardly paying attention to it. We were just doing good. Just, oh, an apple, an orange, a peach. 
Oh, I love it. Oh, we can have everything here in the garden. And the devil said, yeah, but there is one thing you can't have in there. What? The Lord said you can't have that. Well, yeah, we don't even touch that tree. You understand what's happening here? He's getting them to focus on what they don't have. And this is what keeps people from giving God what really is God's. They start focusing on what they don't have. Are you hearing me? You need to focus on what you do have. The Lord gave you everything. He gave you everything. That won't, if, you, if you focus on what you do have, then you won't, you won't be tempted to take what belongs to Him. This is New Testament theology, too. This is not just Old Testament theology. It's not, not legal theology. I'm not trying to be, put, put anything legalistic on you. I just want you to prosper and be in health. It breaks my, breaks my heart sometimes when I talk to God's people who can't pay their bills. That's a, that's a pain that, that Miss Ann and I have lived with for, for decades now. God's people, decent, good, holy people who can't pay their bills. It's a shame. When we have this truth, I want to elevate your faith today. I'm just trying to elevate you. I'm not trying to get more money out of you. I'm just trying to elevate your faith today to believe that Christ became poor, that you might be rich. Well, I don't want to be rich because, you know, if, I'm ri- if I get rich, I probably would backslide. Listen, you're backsliding right now. You just don't know it. Uh, that's backslidden talk right there is all that is. Amen. Exchange number four. Everybody say number four. four. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Without too much preaching on this, I just want to share with you today what the Lord laid on my heart. For every one of you here that have been or are presently dealing with some physical ailment, I want you to just stand up. You have been or you're dealing with some physical ailment. Look here, my goodness. God bless you, God bless you. Miss Ann, I want you to stand up here, get that microphone, and let's lay claim to this exchange. Did it not say he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He was wounded that we might get healed of our wounds. He was made sick that we might be made well, praise God. It's a wonderful, great exchange. Miss Ann, pray over everyone here. We're going to exchange what we presently have for what he bought and paid for us to have. We're making an exchange. You know, at at, at Walmart... They got a customer service. You just stepped up to the customer service bar here today to make an exchange. Glory to God. That thing that's broken, we're going to get the right one. Amen. Pray, Miss Ann. Father, I bless each one today. Thank you. With healing, whatever it is, Father. Make our exchange. Exchange sickness for health. Amen. Prosperity come. Amen. Prosperity is not necessarily money. It's health. Health. You can't buy health. Health come. Father, we thank you. Thank you for health. Everybody standing here in Jesus' name. Health and healing come. For for Coy. For Everett. Frank and Gay. Thank you, 
Greg and Donna and Frank. Sandra. Shelly and John. Healing for Ed. Charles. Carol. Valerie, Christine, and Angela. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We just made an exchange. We made an exchange because Jesus made an exchange. We may as well be on the receiving end of it. He was wounded for our healing. Exchange number five, Philippians chapter two, verses three, four, and five. Let's turn there quickly. I'm not going to keep you long today. Philippians chapter two. Verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man to his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Exchange number 5 is the exchange of a carnal mind for an anointed mind. The mind that was in Christ, anointed one, Christ Jesus. Not just the mind of Jesus, the mind of the anointed Jesus. The Holy Ghost man. Remember, he talked about this. Anytime you see Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ, it's saying Jesus, the one who was anointed with the Spirit. I tell my students, Jesus, the Holy Ghost man. That's what Christ means. One who was in the Spirit, lived by the Spirit, walked by the Spirit, operated in the Spirit, praise God, was raised again from the dead by the Spirit. You've got to have that kind of mind working in you to be successful in life. And it is yours. You go from a carnal mind to an anointed mind. And he said, all you have to do is let this mind. He didn't, he didn't say strive to have it. He said, just let it. What does letting it mean? It means if you don't resist it, it's, it's going to work for you. Yeah. If you just let it happen, that I don't have to get weeds to grow in my yard. I don't have to work at it at all. <laughs> they just grow. Come on, am I in the right place? We know about weeds here in southern Oklahoma. <laughs> we know about weeds. We've got good dirt. It grows whatever we drop seeds into. Huh? You drop a seed of any kind, it'll grow it. Huh? You don't have to make it happen. You just let it happen. This mind of Christ is in you. It's part of your redemptive package. It's one of the exchanges. You do not have to act out in a carnal mind. I want you to understand something. I don't cuss. I don't. I know y'all are thinking about that sermon, legalistic bastards. I know you're thinking about that sermon. Israel put on, on Twitter. I've never heard the word bastard said so many times in church. That's not cussing. I'm just telling you what the Bible was teaching. I was just teaching the Bible. It's in there. It's in there in a grown-up version of the Bible. It really is. Legalistic bastards. I don't cuss. I don't like it. I don't like being around it. I don't like hearing it. I don't like watching television and hearing it. But I could. I still remember. Like that little boy traded his lawnmower to the, because to the, he was mowing yards because he was trying to buy a bicycle. Preacher rode up on a bicycle. 
the boy over there is pulling on, on that string trying to get that lawnmower started and it wouldn't start. Preacher said, and the boy, little boy was just cussing up a storm. Preacher said, son, you shouldn't cuss like that. He said, well, I want to get this thing started so I can buy me a bicycle. He said, well, look, I'll trade you my bicycle for a lawnmower. I need a lawnmower, I'll trade you my bicycle. So a kid gets on the bicycle, starts to ride off. Preacher's over there trying to start the lawnmower. He can't get it to start. He said, why can't I get the thing to start? He said, you can't get it to start because you're not cussing at it. He said, well, I don't cuss. I'm a preacher. I, I, it's been so long since I've cussed, I, I don't even know if I remember how to do it. He said, you keep pulling on that string, it'll come back to you. <laughs> I, mean, I just want you to know, if I wanted to, I could just cut, start cussing a blue streak right now. Right now, I could, I could. You know why I don't? Because I keep it under. Keep it under. Just keep it under. Why, how am I able to do that? Because I'm a new man on the inside. See, if you let your, let your inner man grow, he'll dominate your outer man. He'll dominate your mouth. He'll dominate your thoughts. He'll change all that where, where the first thought in your mind isn't just blow off cussing somebody, but to give thanks to Jesus. To give thanks. Amen. He gave you an anointed mind. A mind that looks to God for the answers that are, that are, that are going wrong, the things that are going wrong in your life. First thing is not to run out to your own knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The first thing to do is not to, oh, gotta, uh, we got to do something, we got to do something. Let's see, let me see, what, what, last time what did we do? No, 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 no. The first thing to do is to stop and talk to God about it. Is this too deep? Teaching Christians to pray about their problems? <laughs> the first thing to do is get, get your anointed mind working. All right, Father, I know you've got a word on this. Give me a scripture. Show me, show me the direction. I need a word of knowledge. I need a word of wisdom. I need something here. Manifest I mean, because I, my, my heart is right, my mind is receptive, I'm ready to change my world, just give me an insight. It's not that difficult if you just remember, remember, remember who you are. Remember that you have the mind of Christ. Oh, Father, let me have your thoughts. No, 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 not necessarily. You have his thoughts. All you got to do is let it happen. Let it happen, really. Just let it happen. Stop running to that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and run to the tree of life. Amen carnal mind for an anointed mind. Now look at exchange number five, number six, sorry, that was number five. Exchange number six, Galatians chapter three. Let's turn there quick like. Galatians chapter three and verse 13. He traded a curse for the blessing. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Exchange number six is the change, the, the exchange from the curse to the blessing. God didn't just not curse you and leave you in limbo striving to be blessed. That's the way most of modern religion teaches it. Well, you're not going to hell, now get busy for God and He'll bless you. Pardon me, my father Abraham did not get blessed because of how he performed. My father Abraham showed up yeah. that day and Melchizedek came out and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God. And then he said, All right, let's tithe. He didn't tithe to be blessed. He tithed because he was blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Your performance is not so that God will, 
you'll find the favor of God. Our performance nowadays is completely opposite. I've heard, I've heard preachers quote Jesus. If you, uh, now listen, if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. Remember what Jesus said. Come on, how many of you ever taught this? If you, if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. Remember what Jesus said. Uh, I always say, well, I remember what Jesus said. I remember he was preaching under the law to the Jews. I know that. You should know that. Let's hear what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, Israel. Ephesians 4, 32. Come on, Miss Ann, help me sing the song. Come on, come on, come on up here. Come on, come on. Move, 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 move. All right. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Tweedly do. <laughs> Ephesians 4.32. Yeah. Amen. All right. And what does that say? Forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake has already forgiven you. This side of the cross you forgive because you are forgiven. That side of the cross you forgave to be forgiven. Hey, folks, things have changed. Hallelujah. I told you the gospel is real. I told you that the gospel is really good news. Praise God. All of our performance comes out of who we are. Then they had to perform to be somebody. God, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, has made you somebody so that you can perform as God in the earth. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. He became a curse that we might receive the blessing of Abraham. In exchange number seven, and I finish. Well, no, no, I have two. There's, there's number seven and number eight. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says, For Christ, 1 Peter 3, 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened, by the Spirit. Exchange number seven is separation for acceptance. I love that phrase, that he might bring us to God. When you think of it like that, Jesus was on a mission for his Father. When you think of it like this, Jesus knew how much he pleased the Father. He knew how much his life blessed the Father's heart. So he knew that he had to plant his own body as a seed so that he could produce many seeds of sons and daughters just like him, thereby multiplying the Father's joy by bringing many sons unto glory, that he might bring us to God, which means he brought us into God's family with full acceptance, full acceptance. I don't know if some of you here are adopted or you have adopted children. And adopted children that understand it, understand what it means. My uh, wife was in a doctor's office one day, and there was this cute little girl. She had the little frills, and she was just a little adorable little thing, just learning how to talk good, you know. And she walked around the room, started with the lady next to Miss Ann, and she said, I'm special. And the lady said, yes, you are. You are just cute, cute, cute. You are special. So she went to the next one. She said, I'm special. They said, yes, you are. You're so special. 
the next one, the next one, the next one. And they all said the similar things. Yeah, they, they were all in agreement. She was special. She came around to Miss Ann. And she said to Miss Ann, I'm special. Miss Ann said, and what makes you so special? <laughs> and that little girl said, because I'm adopted. Amen. My mommy didn't just have me like other mommies. My mommy picked me special. Amen. Glory to God. Yeah. Hallelujah. There's something powerful about this adoption thing. God had a choice and he picked you. He could have picked your ugly neighbor, but he picked you, praise God. <laughs> Amen. Separation for acceptance. Take you like you are. And finally, the great exchange ends with exchange number eight. Galatians chapter four, verse four and five. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. You see what happened? Jesus became, made of a woman, made under the law, Jesus became the Son of Man, that we might become the sons of God. The greatest exchange of all was the Son of God became the Son of Man, so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. Think of it. What an exchange. Sometimes I'm so overwhelmed that Jesus would make this kind of deal with me. But I feel like I sure got the best of the trade. Anybody feel like you got the best of the trade? I almost feel like you got such a, such a good deal that you cheated him. <laughs> Want to back and give him some more. Great exchange means that whatever God has that He lives with in glory and whatever you had that you had to live with on earth He has made an exchange when He gave us Jesus. Listen to what Romans 8.32 says. He that spared not His own Son but delivered Him up for us all how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things. Let's pray together. Now, Father, I thank you for these precious ones. Thank you for these, your people, kind, good, decent people, people who have received, been recipients and beneficiaries of the great exchange, who have received death for life, who have received life for death, rather, who have received life for death, who received righteousness for sin, who received being made rich or being made poor, who received healing for wounding, who received an anointed mind for the carnal mind, thank you, who received blessing for curse, who received acceptance for separation, and who received sonship on the basis of your manhood. I'm asking today, Lord, that you will cause these realities to manifest in every heart, every life here. With your heads bowed just for a moment, may I ask you, as I've already said earlier in this session today, I told you what the gospel is, and if you've not received Christ today, the greatest invitation this church or any church can ever make is to welcome you into the family of God. I want to pray with you 
I want to lead you in a prayer. If you've never received the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, today is your day to do that. Who's here to say, that's me, preacher. I need you to pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be right with God. And I want to be part of this family. Will you lift a hand and say, that's me. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you and lead you in a prayer that will help you come to, come to know Jesus as your Savior. All right. All right. All right, let's stand up on our feet then. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to be home, y'all. It's good to, good to see all of you. The only reason I was gone three weeks in a row is because I had an emergency come up. It, I do my best never to let that happen. It's just one of those things. In the summertime, I, my guys, those pastors that I give oversight, they, they need somebody to cover for them when they go on vacations. And, uh, and then we had a pastor quit. And I had to be on the scene to put another pastor in his place. And uh, uh, that's just part of my duties, and I, I appreciate your forbearance. Miss Ann was here, and she, she, she did, did she do good? <laughs> well, I will tell you, I, I thank all of you for, for t telling me about Casey, what a great job he did last week. That, I, I appreciate that very much. That just lets me know I'm never going to have him preach again. after my job <laughs> yeah yeah I know I know that's a problem amen amen well I love you all Miss Ann come up here and pray for the people